0: Hello, I'm Flick Taylor and you're listening to Everyday Burnout Conversations, the honest podcast that shares the burnout experience of others along with the stories of surviving and thriving in life. Today I chat with Jo Love. She's a trainee psychotherapist, mental health advocate, artist and author. Jo regularly speaks, writes, hosts events, and talks about mental health. She shares her experiences of mental illness, including depression, anxiety, and burnout, alongside the evidence based strategies that helped her recover. She's a mental health ambassador for various brands and consults on how we can look after our mental health and break the stigma that still sadly surrounds getting support. Now, so there's no surprises, there is a trigger warning for this fabulous episode. Because the conversation between Joe and I, it naturally gravitated towards discussing suicide ideation. And this was a topic that, well, it wasn't initially on our agenda, but I wanted to share what Joe has to say. And also not shy away from this topic, because I believe this chat speaks volumes to the lovely honesty that comes from connecting with someone who generously holds that emotional space for you and shares a professional insight. This was such a fantastic chat for me because while talking to Jo, first off, you feel like you've known her for years, but also because she's been there with burnout. She's bagged all the tricks that led to burnout and Personally I don't think we can ever tire from hearing other people's stories because they bring us hope along with the reminders to take better care of ourselves. So get set to enjoy this fabulous everyday burnout
1: conversation with the lovely Joe Love. Thank you so much for sitting here with me today because oh my gosh I absolutely Absolutely. Bloody adore your book. It is incredible. (laughs) Therapy is magic. You know what? It's one of those books that you read and then you'll read something. So you phone a friend. I phoned my mum and said, hey, mum, do this, do this little quiz. Let's do the perfectionist quiz. Yeah. Check, check, check. You phone (laughs) a friend, you phone your mum, you start to go down the road of looking at stuff. And to me, it's one of those books you need to buy a copy for yourself and then buy one for a friend because you may as well just give it to them there and there. And oh. let's just start this wave of Joe's book going round because oh, it's I brilliant. Love
2: that. Oh, oh you made my it, day.
1: How does it feel to have this gem out into the world now?
2: Oh, it's lovely. I mean, it's so nerve wracking. It is like having your baby, but not just having a baby. It's like your baby and then everyone can judge you on your baby. And it's like... Whoo. I tell you. But no, it's lovely when there's nice feedback. Um, Yeah, it feels good. My number one aim with it was to just just to help and like break down some of the stigma that's still out there about getting mental health support. So I'm so pleased. But the real the real shock has been people saying how easy it is to read, how enjoyable it was, because it's not I mean, there's some pretty meaty topics in there and it's not it's not all sweetness and light despite the cover despite the name and the cover and what it looks like it's you know there's some gritty rather than pretty topics um but yeah it's been a real it's been a real thrill to finally get it out into the world oh honestly it's an absolute delight to me and you're right like
1: therapy anyone doing work on themselves you know unpacking that trunk (laughs) we all have a trunk we need to unpack it takes a lot of courage and it's not easy um and I think this book is just fabulous. It's going to really help you get, get to that point of going, okay, I'm rolling my leave that and I'm going <laughs> in. I just love it. Um, oh. Now, I also love your honesty. Um, as you may know, I'm a bit of a fan of honesty myself because I think when we share our stories, it just makes other people feel less alone. I know when I was knee deep in burnout I felt so isolated I didn't want any of the articles out there any of the medical journals I just wanted the stories of someone else and so when I was reading it and then I came across that you'd experience burnout and not just burnout but you'd experience burnout after recovery after trying to do something I was like oh god the wave of relief <laughs> mm-hmm. so if you could share a little bit about your burnout story that would be amazing
2: <laughs> yeah um oh I yeah I, it was really important to me that I put the burnout in the book because you know as talk about Um, like all sorts of uh, mental difficulties but I think sometimes burnout can just be and I know you don't feel like this but can sometimes be just pushed to one side of like oh you can get over it and i was like no I want this to be like a big distinct topic in the book because I think it's really insidious it's really um, it creeps in there and like you can sometimes very often you don't know and I even know I've been throughout cycles of burnout recovery burnout recovery burnout recovery sometimes I can't even see it and I've been around the burnout block and it's still really really shocking to me sometimes to do that oh god I mean I'm getting better at recognizing it obviously and one of the things that you know really helps me is therapy and having a therapist to point things out sometimes but no I um I mean I think my whole life I've been doing the burnout recovery, burnout recovery cycle, um, particularly um, exacerbated, definitely had it at university. Um, but definitely when I went into law, I was a lawyer for best part of a decade. And it's sort of, it's one of those places that, And not just law, but in corporate life, that it's sort of rewarded or normalized this push, 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 push. Take time off, not fully recovered. You think, oh, I'll feel okay after the two week holiday, which I never had a two week holiday in ten years. I I had one week holiday because two weeks was far too long to be away from the office. Um, You know, I'll feel better after the weekend, but actually, I'm feeling worse. And I just need to get through this project. I just need to get through this week that you tell all these stories and it's sort of glamorized. Like I remember being in the, um, I don't know where your audience is, like lift elevator um, uh, in in the thing that you get into in an office and you go up some. Up automatically that one that one that one. I was in there and uh, you know I call it lift I'm gonna call it lift and I was in the lift and you know it, 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 if, pretty much every morning if you see somebody that you know you know to talk to like, what time did you what time did you go home last night and it was like a badge of honor it'd be like 2 a.m 3 a.m oh ah, I was hit or 4 4 30 or whatever and it's like what are we doing is glamorizing it normalizing it Anyway, so that's the world that I lived in for most of my twenties, and thought it was completely normal. And then, you know, I talk about it a lot in the book, but and I won't go into. I mean, we can, but yeah, we'll be here all day. Um, but <laughs> I, I, it all came crashing down for me. And then I left law, and I started my own business. And what I thought was, oh, and I think this is a really um, normal feeling for a lot of entrepreneurs, particularly if you're leaving corporate life behind, is freedom like I literally felt like ah I'm the I've got the I remember saying to everyone it's amazing I've got the keys to my own time like this is incredible I I don't have any time sheets I haven't got any bosses like this is incredible what I didn't realize is I totally got into the trap again of like it's even worse because there was no off I was always on and um I did things like, and I can't remember if I actually put this into the book or not. It was definitely in some of the drafts, but the I thought I discovered the ultimate like life hack where I cut out TV. It took cut out TV. And it was so that I had more time to work. Oh, <laughs> and what I wasn't doing is was having any downtime, any rest. I was always on this cycle of always being on until I can't, like till I physically can't get myself out of bed. Um because I'm burnt out and that feeling of being burnt out is so I'm sure you've talked about it on the podcast before but like literally feeling like an ember like nothing left um really hollow really empty and for me I know everyone's a bit different but for me it's also I'm a really empathic person I am really like almost too I think there's like a hypersensitive personality probably a disorder but I mean there's too many disorders out there in my opinion but you know it's uh, I'm I'm a really really sensitive person and I know that and I can feel the creep of burnout coming when I start to sort of shut that down um and that lack of empathy and it's something that my therapist actually told me back when I when she sort of first said I think you've got <sighs> I think you're heading into a dark place was she used to be a hospice no um, hospice not nurse therapist and she said a lot of the nurses that was their number one sign is when they stop having empathy and they're hugely empathic people um that they're burning out because it is that adage that you can't pour from an empty cup like you have to fill yourself up and I know that won't be everybody's symptom but for me it's a really big red flag not a pink flag it's a big red flag that you know my empathy has gone and there's something going on so I haven't got it sussed so I still I still find myself since it's I find myself in cycles of burnout recovery burnout recovery but I found that it was, I thought it was really important to put it in the book and put like concrete examples of when that happened and what it felt like um I talk about workplace burnout but I think also just being a human obviously but a lot of and I think a lot of people coming out of the pandemic especially parents I think parental burnout of like always being on and I think that's something that people aren't talking about I'm sure you are but you know a lot of people aren't talking about as much as workplace burnout and that's become quite the thing to talk about isn't it so yeah it's um it was really important that I put examples of of my life in there
1: and I loved how you shared well for me personally I was like Oh, my shoulders dropped a little bit when I read it. Like you said, recovering from burnout is a long, slow road and avoiding it now feels like a lifelong challenge. Yeah. And when I read that, I was like, well, actually I've gone the hairs <laughs> on my arm. I've gone off. I was like, yeah, okay. I, yes. I see this will be a lifelong challenge, me because I love how you say that, you know, your perfectionist tendencies, the uh, achieving, the overachieving you, that yeah. life of being in law, that corporate life, it actually, you know, it, it's, it was perfect for that. Mm-hmm. It yeah. made you feel better. <laughs> and I, when I read that, I, I was reflecting and I thought I worked in startup. I've worked in you NHS. Know, I've, I've worked in places where actually giving your all yeah. and then giving some and then giving some more is celebrated. It's almost like you're a good, you're a good worker. A number yeah, yeah. of times I was told, oh, you work hard or, oh, you're like a machine. And uh-huh. I took that, right. Joe, as, yeah. yeah. uh, yes. oh, almost like, okay, I can relax a little. Yeah. I feel like yeah. I don't have to prove myself so much, as opposed to going, well, that's a little bit wrong. Mm. <laughs> you mm. know? Yeah. yeah.
2: And we see that and we hear that now, but yeah. But also, this is why I talk about um, why therapy for me is such an important part of burnout recovery because it's often missed this point which you're you're, you're making here of, you know, we all the articles say you know rest, recovery, dah, 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 all these things, self care, build it all in. We all know that. But like, why are we doing this? What, And especially if you have repeated patterns or repeated behaviors, why? Why? What message did we get when we were younger that that's what success looks like? What messages are we getting from the outside world or our employers or the situations that we're in that say this is okay? What What is keeping us or what is keeping me? I found like, no, and I talk about it, but I said no amount of this, that, and the other was going to, quote unquote, fix me. I needed to get down into the root of it of why I can't say no, why I keep adding more, yeah. what it is that is like part of my core fundamental beliefs that I have got from somewhere that tell me that this is what a human is or what a valid human is or what a good human is or what, what I, I need to be doing because it feels like a need for me. It's like a take on. And if I don't, the guilt, the guilt, I was talking yeah. about this the other day in therapy actually, and I was saying I'm always doing. I'm constantly doing you know people talk about this um um oh what's it go uh oh what's it say um like that they can't do anything they're like um frozen because there's too many things they have to do no 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 I am always doing there's always a to-do list there's always more being added I never get to the end of it it's that's my life and what keeps me from ever just stopping saying no I mean I have little no's and I do my tips in the book but actually like my therapist said to me what would it feel like just to say like I'm not going to do anything that I'm supposed to do today I'm just I'm just going to sit there I was like like it makes me feel a bit sick and um um and and it's like that it's like okay what is it what is it about me just being able to be human for a day and say I'm not doing it and it's guilt and I said that guilt is like this lifeblood that runs through me that I cannot the I cannot feel guilty like, I do feel guilty. So if I ever say no to somebody or rearrange something or don't do something, it's not like this free and easy, okay, it's gone now. It's not on my to-do list. I know people who just delete emails, like just delete them, like straight away. I mean, no, no, no." Mm. I have to sit there for about six months before I then maybe file them away. (laughs) But like, I'll never delete them. Oh my God, no. Or then I'll send them, oh, I'm sorry, I missed it. And, And the guilt of it will eat me up. I will know that there's five WhatsApp messages that I haven't responded to. I know that there's a hell of a lot of DMs in my Instagram that I haven't responded to. I'm aware of it all. And this guilt is constant, it's constant, it's constant, it's guilt. So it's, I will keep doing to try and avoid those horrible feelings of guilt that come Mm. when I say no, or when I put things down, or when I stop. And what I'm trying to do in therapy is, or what I'm trying to work through in therapy is, and I know it, But those feelings of guilt are horrible. And I'm obviously doing everything I can to avoid it. But I'm also slightly killing myself in the process. So I need to learn how to know my, well, my, you know, my body needs to understand and my brain, because it's fighting it the whole time, that it is okay, that I will be okay. Those feelings of guilt will come. They will, because this is me. I've been conditioned to take on more and the messages from my parents about what a successful person looks like and what a good quote I'm doing air quotes yeah. what a good person looks like the guilt will probably be there for a long time and maybe it'll go away one day maybe it won't but I've got to learn how to face it and not be scared of it and not do everything I can to avoid it because that just results in burnout basically <laughs> oh
1: god doesn't <laughs> that's my feeling just, it doesn't it just a I'm, I'm with you I, I think um, and I've experienced this myself <clears throat> after that initial period of lying in bed, that's all you can do for three weeks, other than watch this country and eat chocolate buttons and drink tea. <laughs> after that initial recovery period, the minute you start to kind of show up back to your life, those habits will send you right back to burnout town. Yeah. yeah, they're there. And and I think this is why I was so excited to talk to you on the podcast because I really do feel anyone listening to this, it's so important to, you can't do this on your own. Mm-mm. You need someone to hold the mirror up to yourself Mm-mm. because I'm guessing there's a lot of people who are burnt out who also have a terrible, mean inner critic. Like, I love how you call yours Shirley. I was like, <laughs> I need to give mine a name because that inner critic will always send us back yeah. to that point of depletion yeah. won't it because we'll never be enough
2: no no she's always there she's quieter now through therapy but she's always there oh. and she's telling she's telling me all the time like when I've done something wrong why it's not good enough and that feeling of even if you said no you've f- you failed because you should have said yes you should have done more you should have been able to and it's like oh just shut up <laughs> shut up yes. Shirley oh, no. Shirley pack it in get out of here i know but this
1: is what's so lovely is that when you have therapy when you have coaching when you have someone Mm. who 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 is aligned to you because that's another thing isn't it joe i think it's really important for people to understand that you know it's not just having any therapist, it's having someone that you yeah. feel very comfortable with. And you touch yeah. on this in the book, don't you?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I talk about it a lot and it's really, really important personally, now that I'm training to be a therapist, yes. I, it, is, it is, which I wasn't doing in the book. So the book is hundred percent, the client chair. So I'd finished that. I was uh, finished the first draft. And then I thought, you know what, this therapy thing, there's something in it. I'm going to train to be a therapist. So oh, that's, that's why it's amazing. right at the end being like, oh, now, now I'm training. Um, but yeah, it's I think it's even it's become even more apparent to me the importance of the relationship. I, I always knew it, but like you say, it doesn't need to be a therapist. Um I think everyone can benefit from therapy, but there's therapeutic aspects in so many of our friendships, so many in our coaching relationships, just lots of relationships out there. Um but it's having being able to be vulnerable and being able to be open and that doesn't happen like it doesn't happen easily we are sort of so conditioned to be closed off and keep it all bundled up and not talk about it we're getting better as a society but a lot of us grew up in households or in families where yeah talking about talking about our feelings was maybe was acceptable but only under certain circumstances maybe it wasn't acceptable at all um, particularly you know women are just better you know, I'm being very gendered here but like women tend to be better at talking about their emotions men not so yeah. again it is changing but it, it even if you've got the language is where I'm going with this in my head of like even if we've got the language like it feeling like we can is another thing um so I think yeah the relationship is such a crucial element to making that experience of therapy working
1: yeah, absolutely. I, I remember reading There's a Part in Your Book. It made me cry, Joe, when I read it, because not only did it resonate with me, but I know because I'm very lucky I have lots of people write to mm. me when they listen to these conversations, and I know they will relate to it. And so you write in the book, I, um, in regards to women and lives, mm. I feel as if I'm wearing many heavy coats that don't belong to me, coats of domesticity, Unrelating responsibility and martyrdom, weighing me down, keeping me hidden, engulfing me with their enormous bulk. I have to get motherhood right, tick all the boxes, do all the classes, batch cook all the food, research all the stages, do it all, and above all, be selflessly perfect, even if it means I cease to exist in the process. Oh, Joe, mm. you just hit that on the nail mm. for so many mums out there for Mm. so many women it was just such a beautiful oh we are all because that's the thing when you don't have the boundaries when you don't say no you are constantly putting other people first and the more you do that I feel the more you inch back from yourself to the point sometimes I can remember I was talking to someone and she she said you know what are you going to do next do you know what you want to do and I kind of went uh because I'd lost Mm. so I'd lost such touch Mm. with myself I didn't even know what I wanted and And this is why yes totally
2: no 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 no. I was saying like this is this this is the the next bit of it I say um I've become so selfless like to give to give to give and that I had no self self less without myself and it was when I like even as I was writing it I was like oh my god that is not a good thing like we're so conditioned to think that to be selfless and to put other and I think it is a a female thing, whether it happens in motherhood or just being selfless is seen as like, that's what you, you know, we so, even if we're not explicitly told that, um, so many messages in the world tell us that that's yes. what we should be. Um, but yeah, and it can, and it really exacerbated when it became, when I became a mother. Um, but yeah, t- and just felt like I totally lost myself. And I think it's a time of your life, if you are a mum, especially the early days where you don't even have a name. You're just somebody's mum yeah. or like, n- you know, not even that. But I think, yeah, this feeling of just not really existing. And and I love what you were saying there about, well, I don't love it, but I can really relate to it and <laughs> resonate with it, of like not really knowing, it honestly happened, it, it, <laughs> not really knowing what you like and what you don't yes. like. And to the point where I think I've been around this like, you know, around this thinking about myself and improvement and change and growth for a while but even last week in my therapy session my I was talking about doing a lot and doing too much and exactly this conversation and it might not have been last week the week before last anyway recently and she said you know just look at what you do sometimes she goes into a bit of coaching mode we have like career coach life coach therapist she's all it's all over the place sometimes um, <laughs> she also did the exact same course that i did so she comes a course mentor sometimes oh we're, we're fine with these slightly blurred lines Yes, <laughs> um yeah as long as we're aware of them we, we do talk about it um but yeah she was saying so like you know look look at what you do what brings you joy look at look at that mm. and i sat there and, and she knew it was coming i was like i don't really know like I don't know and she's like okay well and I do know um but it's why I don't know if you follow me on, in, on Instagram but I started doing painting again I, and every oh. now and again I'm just shown Amazing. on my stories just like a picture of me doing some painting and it's enough it's a nothing but it's oh my god it's everything I've suddenly gone yeah. why this is instead of adding something else to my to-do list which a lot of like self-care can feel like right yes another thing I have to do I love Um, that you say that Joe. I absolutely I believe that yeah it doesn't feel like that at all and it's like I really needed that reminder it's like this filled me up this 45 minutes that I spent splashing some paint around has made me feel more alive and yes it's something else to fit in but it's not it's a joy. And I'm like, I I really enjoy it. But it can be really hard to find those things, especially if you are somebody who, for whatever reasons, and I hold my hands up to this, external validation is something that is very present in your life. It can be really, really difficult to actually know what it is that you like. And therapy can be a really good space to have a look at that and start to try and work it out because it doesn't it sounds like and you feel so silly saying I don't know what I like I don't know what I enjoy um but I think it's actually quite normal
1: yeah and you know what I'm just thinking especially when you're an empath because when you're an empath I'm thinking of you and the nurses and my past work all of our I mean I I get so much light from working because I used to work a little bit in palliative care as well and people say oh how do you do that with children I was like but there's a real like good energy to it Mm. there's a real kind of smell the rose along the way like the the present moment is all we have and let's just put all our heart and soul into it oh I love that and so there was such joy to it and that would I loved it Mm. but I think when you're an empath when that becomes the only thing you love it's very easy to slip into those having no boundaries and not being able yeah, to say no. Or, and just,
2: yeah. yeah, or keep doing more because I find that I, I yeah. always explain. People say, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I have a lot of... Or how, how to describe yourself. Used to be a lawyer. That was easy. Now I'm like, I don't know. I have a finger in a lot of mental health pies because I do too much because I love it all because I'm like, oh, I'll do some doodles about mental health so you know I'll illustrate that or yes I'll get involved in that project yes I'll work for a charity yes I'll do this yes I'll do that yes I'll do that because it's all like my lifeblood it's amazing it's perinatal mental health it's it's motherhood it's burnout it's this it's be on this podcast let's do this thing I I can't say no to it because I absolutely love it but that can be an equally slippery slope (laughs) oh (laughs) my gosh
1: yes it really can can't it (laughs) Oh. <laughs> this is why yeah, this is why it's lifelong but it's so lovely to hear you say these things because yeah. you know I don't, I don't want to stop the thing is like I'm not very good at um you know reflecting and and supporting myself I'm really good at it for other people no problem oh, yeah. at all oh, yeah. need help count me in I'm there I'll find something (laughs) and lift you up to the heavens. Yes, other people,
2: yeah. Totally,
1: totally. That's it. And I think that's why therapy is so good. And it's Mm. not, you you know, I'm a big believer therapy isn't just for when you're in crisis. I think it's the, you know, when you're unpacking that trunk, there's going to be good days and bad days. And I think therapy has such value on both the good and the bad
2: yeah i, t- I t- you, you are singing from my song sheet you know this um because i talk about this in the book and obviously that is a total privilege for a lot of people to have therapy when they're not um you know when 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 they're not in crisis but it is if it is something that you can do it is so so worth it and there's a lot about and I, times are changing where i think there is, particularly with the younger generation, seeing therapy as a part of their growth, their self-improvement, like going to yoga. Somebody explained it to me the other day of like, like preventative Botox, but for their mind. And I'm like, mm. kind of like that. Like, I like that thought. Yeah. <laughs> but but like, as in it's seen, and like, um, I was asked to comment on something. Um, there was an article, somebody saying, like, I wouldn't date anyone who's not... Um, been to therapy it's see it's now being seen less of a slur that you're in therapy that there's something wrong with you it's more as a positive that you're in therapy you're thinking about improvement you're going to be better at communicating you're going to be better relating you're going to be sorting your shit out like you're that is an attractive quality and the younger generations are seeing that as like therapy is this positive thing which is an amazing thing for people like me to hear it's um it, it yeah it, it but yeah it can benefit everybody and I think I wish that I had known sooner that it was something that was for my self-improvement as well as I say I say it's for my mental wellness as well as any mental illness that might come up but, yes yeah it's oh. everything oh absolutely I think um
1: sorry I'm just processing stuff in real time here. I I think I'm a big believer that um, little eyes are always watching us and and not just Mm -hmm. our kids you know our neighbors our friends our our family our co-workers and I think when we when we step out of you know we kind of step past that barrier of stigma Mm -hmm. I think it just inspires other people to do the same
2: Um, and get more comfortable in it. yeah yeah Yes, that is actually I... nothing to be ashamed of, and that there it really is... isn't. No, no, I'll tell everybody, I tell my postman, I tell everybody. <laughs> you know, <laughs> i am was... talking about it all the time. Um, yes, and so many of, and this is the thing because when I first started having therapy a very long time ago, I'd talk about this in the book, I did think it was really shameful. I thought I'd failed, I thought it was going to be. Like have an effect on my career. Didn't think I'd be able to be a lawyer. I thought it'd be this like sort of indelible black mark against my name. I really, really did, and it was this secret that I kept, and it didn't need to be. And uh, when I found the one, the therapist that changed, it, cause I had a lot of really bad therapists, and yeah. I, also, I don't think I was ready, but there were a lot of experiences that weren't brilliant. But then I found a therapist and it was like we said earlier the relationship I think that was the thing that made it click and I started wanting to tell people I was like this is what it's like and after that you can really shut me up like to, to the point where I've written a book about it and it's somebody said to me the other day it's like how is there a whole book I'm like oh my god there's even more I didn't put it all in <laughs> there's so much more that didn't make the edit there'll be another
1: book it's it's so true and we like thank goodness there are people like you in the world doing this joe um because oh. i think it's so important and especially um as a mum of two boys mm-hmm. i see it as very important to be talking about this mm-hmm. and i can remember you say you talk to your postman i can remember i had to have some oh my god i had like this crazy leak in my bathroom insurance claim workers were well. oh it was mm-hmm. a bloody nightmare but the guy <laughs> i ended up somehow i don't even know how we started talking i think he said "Well, what do you do and i was like well this is interesting i'm a mental health writer but i'm like not able to work because of burnout ha, ha, ha. and <sighs> then he opened up and then i was able to talk to him and i was like yeah. go see someone honestly there's yeah. nothing like chatting to someone you don't know and have them say mm-hmm. oh that must be really hard for you i can't remember yeah. someone said i'm really sorry you experienced that i nearly fell off the chair joe yeah yeah
2: yeah. That, so comforting. Little, it really is. And I think oh, I love, I love that you've done that. And I, it's the thing that keeps me going is people say, I would never have gone and got therapy. Had I not heard you talking about therapy, yeah. I wouldn't have gone to my GP. I wouldn't have got support. Um, it's just the thing. It's like, it's amazing. And then also now training to be a therapist, that sort of just knowing how to emotionally hold space for somebody is just such a, it's such a gift and it sounds so cheesy but it's it's something that you and I have to be a bit careful like I can't just I'm not going to give my friends free therapy or you know but it's really I find it it's sort of it, it seeps in in a way that is healthy like the way that i speak to my six-year-old it's just full of empathy and like it's not trying to fix it is just being with and we know you know there's been a lot of research in this now especially in parenting world of like that's how you fix is you sit with and like and that's how therapy basically works essentially and it really really with the with children you really see it of like they calm down so quickly like that's really difficult for you I can see that you're really really cross about that I know you're really angry you know those kind of things and it's so it, it also helps you like it can be really difficult to see your children upset it can be really frustrating when they're angry or cross or doing but as soon as you sort of flip into that let's be empathic oh god it really helps me and super helps her but the same with Mm -hmm. like my relationship like my husband it's like you know we can be so i was talking about this the other day we we often in relationships you and i don't know if it's a gendered thing i do think that there maybe it is but often when i speak to him it is with a problem there'll be something you know whether it's him or there's a problem there can be a real quick tendency i feel it in myself as well to find a solution to to fix, to, to, yes. you, sometimes you just don't want that. And for a long time I used to sit there I don't want a solution. I just want to talk. I just want to say it. Um, yeah. And it's really nice. And my, my therapist taught me a really nice trick. She said, um, which you probably know, like it's a really, she said, this is basically what marriage counseling is. So you, you talk for a minute or five minutes, just totally talk. The other person can't interrupt. And then the, the person who wasn't speaking they just say what they heard they just say what they heard and that's it and you can't interrupt and then you swap over and she said it's it's kind of mind-blowing and it's difficult it's more difficult than you think because you don't you know you'll start to seep into justifying what they've said especially if you're having a bit of a heated argument a heated yes. conversation about something let's face it yes but that defensiveness Yeah, but still sitting with what you heard and then you can start to work with that. Okay, well, that wasn't, you know, when it's your turn again, um, that wasn't what I was feeling. Um, Anyway, so I could go on about this, but it's um, it's really interesting that sort of sitting with and listening to and really listening, not listening to respond, which I think when you give yourself a five-minute having to actually sit and listen rather than coming up with, all of your counterpoints um can be really really helpful thing to do um but yeah I find myself doing it anyway just generally like that holding space is it's it's honestly such a gift and you were talking about it before I right? the so my placement currently is with mums who are experiencing who have experienced trauma or are currently still you know high complex need situations where they're still you know it might be domestic abuse or violence or sexual abuse um either currently or in their past that is affecting their mothering. And it is such a privilege just to sit with these women that have so much on their plate and hold Mm. space and see what that does. And it's, it is that thing of, you know, you saying that, that, you know, with your experience of saying, you know, that must've been really hard for you, like really, and really meaning it and really sitting with it getting, I think there's a Brené Brown thing about the difference between empathy and sympathy. And this is lovely, um, cartoon where there's somebody in a hole and there's the sympathy is just saying oh yeah it looks a bit crap down there like kind of wandering off and i think it's a bear i think a bear. i was
1: gonna say i feel it's like a it's bear. a bear it's lovely what does yeah the bear?
2: What? and the bear gets down into the hole and it's like yeah i'm just sitting here with you like and that's that's what empathy is is actually being being with sitting in the darkness um and not, yeah, not judging it. So it's it's um it's a real privilege, a real privilege. So I've sort of swapped chairs, and it's all a bit weird, but nice.
1: Oh, I, I love it, Joe. And we reap the benefits. You, I, I, love um in your book, I love the Joe's Toolkit sections. I think those are fabulous. But I also oh, really like the um the parts where you kind of almost give like tips and scripts for people mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. It, we we so want to as a mum, as a partner, you just want to put a plaster on it and fix it straight away. Mm -hmm. And actually that's not helpful. And I love Mm -hmm. how you touch on that because I think, um, you know, it's changing the lenses, isn't it? Mm -hmm. You know, I think people looking in need to know. um, I I certainly, oh, it's hard for me to say this, but I I certainly know with my burnout and, um, you know, I ended up in a place where, you know, suicide ideation crept through the door. And it it Mm. threw me for a loop. It really did. Because I, you know, of my experience and who I'm, personality, that absolutely threw me. And there were very few people who could just go, oh, okay. As opposed to wanting to fix it, wanting to, but look what you've got. And look, you know. it's it's so important to have that and it's also important when you're in it to feel safe enough Mm. to have someone reflect that to you because a lot of us put on a brave face don't we
2: yeah I mean
1: I yeah I love that quote where they say you don't fake people don't fake um mental health they fake happiness yeah I think that's brilliant isn't it because it's so
2: true absolutely and yeah no that's that's I can totally relate with that and also that you might feel brave enough to reach out once but if you haven't been received very well those that can be really difficult and then then I feel I find then the sort of desire to dig down even deeper and be like okay no 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 okay I won't I won't say anything again and I think that that's it's just it's heartbreaking that that happens but it does happen and it's just keep reaching out you know keep keep trying but also the other way around that like I did a um a while ago I was doing a campaign about especially with new mums asking like not, don't just ask if you're okay because they're going to say they're fine yes and it happens with all of us but you know ask again ask again ask in a different way I don't just yeah. say are you okay but like how's your week bit like just trying to change that just change it around a bit because you know we're all so busy and we spend our lives just sort of missing each other and just asking a few times can really make somebody feel like actually I can open up and it is safe to do so especially if um, you are contemplating suicide I remember with my therapist talking about it once and and saying I'd had some dark thoughts again and then like the next week, not wanting to talk about it again at all, like really not wanting to talk about it and her like bringing it and me being a bit shocked by the fact she was bringing this. So I'm like, look, I'm all cheery. And she said, like, no, no, it no, can't just go. From, <laughs> we can't, you can't, you can't, we can't not look at this. And I can't not ask you and I'm going to ask you. So let's talk about it. And I was like, Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And it's having that. And it's really difficult. I mean, I've done suicide training and it is so, so difficult. And, but it's one of those things that I think, um, I I certainly wish more people knew that by talking about it to somebody who feels suicidal, you're not going to make them feel any more suicidal. So so often people think that if I talk about it or acknowledge it with them, then I might be encouraging it somehow. But I think um, my number one thing that I've learned from suicide training is that, actually talking about it talking about it and it can be really really difficult to do but talking about it openly with the person you might you might suspect but naming it and saying it actually has been shown that people are then less likely um to act on it um, yeah I should also yeah. say that we should probably put some sort of trigger warning at the beginning of the episode yes, because I will I'll be quite that. tricky for people yeah
1: yes I will do that in the intro absolutely yeah it's um it, god life it's such a journey isn't it I, I know people wave around the word journey it, it annoys me when people then start loading things up with the words like self-care like stop putting yeah. bubble baths and face packs on it like it's yeah. it's a foundational brick and yeah. um, it's just so important to be having these conversations Absolutely. it really is yeah and so for someone listening to this and struggling right like now Joe, like what would you what would you say to them
2: Oh, there's just so much, and I, this I know, is why I, I felt that there was. I really needed to put quite a lot of res- resources and even crisis resources in my book. Um, yeah. I think the thing that I really, when I was, everyone's different, but when I was there and when I was in that really dark place where I didn't just didn't want to go on anymore, it was that that kind of is normal and okay, and yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I wasn't. I felt so alone and it's so isolating a lot of mental health conditions that is part of it and it isolates you even more and it's like this horrible vicious cycle of you know it's part of the condition and then that isolates you even more and then that exacerbates the condition and then you go sort of down and downward spiral it's horrible but that there's so many people out there that can help you that will help you that you will get better and that there are Brighter days ahead, and I know that can sound really flippant, but I don't mean it that way. I mean it really, genuinely. That that was what I, and that there's people that will understand because I really thought, I really thought, and it is. It sounds absolutely, utterly crazy to 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 voice now, but that I thought everyone would be better off without me here being here. I thought that that was a selfless thing
1: yeah I'm um, right with you that's how yeah. I felt
2: and I think and I know that's not talking to the person that's in crisis right now but it is talking to maybe people who are around those sort of people is people like me uh people like you all of us so many of us um yeah. is that it can it's so misunderstood that it's a selfish thing thing and how could you possibly feel like this look at your life all those things we're saying like the reassurance pieces but what you really want to do is have somebody sit down there with you and be like yeah like yes this is this sucks right now but I'm here and we'll get through it and you will get through it and there's always hope and I think that hope is something that it only needs to be a tiniest grain of sand in that moment that you feel terrible but the tiniest grain of sand of hope can really magnify and really grow and it is all you need that tiny teeny tiny grain and you'll get through it you will um and if I could give everybody who's feeling awful I know that's not what you asked but if I could wave a magic wand and and give everybody just that just tiniest grain of sand for them to then keep and grow then I mean, that I would be a very happy lady because that's all you need. T- just the teeniest, teeniest, tiniest bit.
1: Oh, this is why we love and adore you, Joe. Absolutely. That's, that's what we need, isn't it? It yeah. is having that little bit of hope and um, we can both sit here and say, you know, things changed. Things yeah. changed and, you know, things got brighter and better and, you know, Certainly by getting help and chatting to other people and and starting to put ourselves first.
2: Yeah, I would say, I would want to also say that, oh my gosh, there's so much to say, but... No, I I love love it. Bring it on. it's, It's a really slow, I also wish that I knew, I mean, with burnout, with suicidal thoughts, with mental illness, with the whole thing, there can be sometimes this... Okay, well you've got your diagnosis now, or oh, well you're you're out of like immediate crisis now, so you must be better. We do it with everything. We do it with grief. We do it. We do it with absolutely everything. Yeah. You're not allowed to talk about it now because, like, you know, that was yesterday, or that was last week, or that. The... It takes a really, really long time to recover from these things, and I think that if you're anything like me, I felt a lot of guilt about that. I felt a, there was a lot of self-criticism of like, why aren't I better yet? Why is yeah. this taking such a long time? but recovery does happen and things do get brighter. It's a cycle, so, you know, things ups ups and downs, but if you've got through it once, Mm. you can get through it again. But I often liken, especially with my postnatal depression, and I've seen it again and again when depression lifts, of this, you know, that feeling of a gray day where if you're up, like if you're ever up before the sun gets up in the winter, You're not seeing a sunrise. There's no like obvious little lovely, lovely semicircle that comes up. But just there's this imperceptible like darkness to lightness. It just sort of very, very gradually, where suddenly you're like, oh, it's, it's light now. When it was dark half an hour ago, I, I, I really oh. liken that feeling of coming out of a mental you know, recovery to be like that really slow, imperceptible, almost invisible, tiny, teeny, tiny getting brighter and getting lighter till suddenly one day you're walking around, you're going about your business and you're like, oh, it's daytime. Oh, I feel different. I feel different. Physiologically, I feel different. And it does happen and it can happen and it will happen.
1: Oh, Joe, you're so right. Oh, I love that. I really struggled with how long it took me. I, I, I still struggle with um, wanting to think, okay, it's been over a year, like, like hurry up, hurry up. Mm. I love
2: that. I see it all the time. I feel it. I, fe- I felt it. I, but, yeah. you know, I had somebody literally without breaking any confidences, but I had literally somebody tell me this week about a horrendous situation that they've been in for a number of years that they've only just got out of within the last couple of months and was saying, I should be over this. I should be better. I shouldn't be being triggered by it. I shouldn't. And you know, I think, oh, gosh be really gentle it takes a long long time all of it does and that's incredibly frustrating but I wish I'd known it takes such a long time
1: yeah yeah and just the word gentle that was gentle. something um <laughs> I've been working with Deb Edwards so that before working with her that was something that I never ever applied to my life ever yeah.
2: no it was and go now, hard go all the time
1: <laughs> all the time as fast as you can the faster, oh, yeah. the better. And gentle yeah. is mm-hmm. something I I have it on this little sticky note, but on my above my desk, and it's mm-hmm. something I use with my boys as well because I just, you know, it's that kind of very anchoring word to, yeah. like, slow down, give you safe space. Yes, absolutely. Yeah.
2: I talk about it in the book because I just can't get on board with this self care. It's been too hijacked by
1: big my commercial organisations.
2: I mean, I love self care, but it's just I oh I just find it too slippery or something else I have to do it's another thing I have to do whereas be gentle with yourself when I hear it from my therapist when I hear my internal voice saying what's the gentlest thing I can do right now or let's be gentle today or you know it is just a gentle word and it is just easier for me to just it for some reason I find it it allows it gives me permission to take my foot off the accelerator just a little bit and go, okay, I'll be gentler. I'm just not going to be flooring it. It's not pedal to the metal and like I'm bombing out of there. It. It's like, okay, no, let's just go slow. Let's have a slow drive today, gentle. And it just, so, for some reason, a small change in language can, it, it, it works for me.
1: Yeah, it has a real good ripple effect, doesn't it? Mm, mm. Yeah absolutely oh joe i can talk to you all day but i know we have school pickups we have things to do <laughs> so and this has been nice. incredible thank you um nice. now before you go i don't know if you have time i've been asking yep. my guests quick fire lighthearted questions because we yep. all answer differently so do you where are they here we go move your body or move them remote on your dodgy days
2: Oh, I, I've talked about how I don't do TV. So I move my body, but I'm. Oh, oh, I, I, the remote
1: may. <laughs> the remote may need to come back on Sunday. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly.
1: Yeah. Okay. Bag of almonds or bag of Maltesers?
2: Oh, almonds are horrible. And it, it, but even if it was nuts over chocolate, I mean, chocolate, definitely chocolate.
1: I know that <laughs> little bit of sugar just makes them go wild.
2: Maltesers. I mean, there's not even like, a, surely there's not even a calorie in Maltesers.
1: No, just, like, eh. I don't know. For me, like a cup of tea. And I'm such a kid, I'll throw them up and try yeah, and catch yeah, them. Yeah, I'll like, the
2: you know. yeah, yeah. i Yeah. You do that where it... You know, this is not good podcasting. You know, you blow it and it stays up above. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, just like takes (laughs) us
1: right back. All teasers. Thank you very much.
2: Yeah. Do you ask for help
1: or are you happy to hermit?
2: Oh, this is a hard one. It's so hard. I'm better asking for help. Obviously, therapy. I'm massive, massive advocate. But I really there's something very strong pull of hermiting. I can really go in and stay in the inn. So, if I'm having a bad day, I'm honest. If I'm having a bad day, like my 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 natural reaction will be inwards, hermit in, little crab inside. Yes. Yeah.
1: But yeah, asking for help—it just helps. It's just something we need to do. But yeah, getting more
2: comfortable with it. But it's not—it's not the auto response. (laughs) It's not—it's
1: not my default. That's for sure. <laughs> now, what's one self-compassionate thing you're gonna do today that your future self will thank you for? Oh,
2: I love this thought. Like I have these and and this sorry, I know this is not quick, but um this is something that I find has really, really helped me. Like one mm. baby step, one tiny thing. What is one thing? It's almost in that gentle bit of when I'm yeah. feeling overwhelmed where I've got too many, what's the one thing that I can do right now? Or what's one thing that's going oh. to make it more easier? What's the one thing that I can deal with like right now anyway so today I thought mm. about this earlier because you yeah, I might, I might have seen advanced uh, advanced copy of this um I wanted to say all the things I've done already today because we're in slightly different time zones aren't we um but what I am going to do is I've got a big day tomorrow it's my psychotherapy course day and it's quite intense emotionally okay. intense so I am going to once I've done the school pickup I'm just gonna be really 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 like careful with myself maybe get my bag ready for tomorrow but other than that not try not to stress about it too much not do anything too and probably not have a glass of wine tonight because that might make it harder tomorrow <laughs> so yes. my future self will thank me if I have a peppermint tea instead as boring as that is. But it's boring but you're being gentle you're being gentle with yourself look at yes. that but I need oh. the reminder but I'm very grateful for the reminder <laughs> It's
1: lifelong. It's lifelong. It's lifelong, it.
2: and that's the thing. Like, all you know, people will often say, I, "I've got it cracked," and you know, I know. It. No, I mean, maybe, maybe they do, but personally, it's like, no, it's it's a constant, and we don't all, you know, quite. I'm not an expert, but we don't get it right. We're human, and mm. that's okay. And we just mm. keep 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 going round, and hopefully, each time, each turn, it'll be just slightly easier, slightly gentler, and we'll learn something from the last rotation yes
1: absolutely oh joe this has been heavenly thank you so much i wish we had longer i know oh we'll have to have another chat another season another chat it'll be amazing thank you so much (laughs) for your time today
2: oh thank you for having me thank you so much
0: for listening to this episode of everyday burnout conversations please check the show notes for any links to items discussed today and the original music and sound editing is by Chris Taylor. If you've enjoyed this podcast and have a spare few minutes, then it would be absolutely amazing if you could leave me a happy starry rating and review. It really does help this podcast reach a little further, and i just love it to land in the lap of those who, like me, last year are perhaps feeling isolated and lonely in their burnout struggle. Please know this podcast is not intended as medical advice. Remember, you matter. So don't hesitate to reach out to your doctor or mental health professional for support if you're having a rough time. Wishing you a great week and take good care of yourself. Bye for now.